I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Graves, former France hooker, Benjamin Kayser, and ex-Scotland back row, Johnny Beattie. We've got a very special guest coming on the show this week as well, and he has got a bit more time on his hands than he might have expected, so we'll get him on shortly. But how are you guys doing, first of all? Have you had a good week? Mate, same old lockdown, nothing's really changing. Last episode before Christmas, um, kids get off school on Friday, so counting down to madness, to be honest. Um, I know... No work, nothing's moving, waiting for uh, this vaccine to arrive in France in 2023. Um, I'm just looking forward to the world moving again, to be honest. Enjoyed the World Cup draw. That was great. Seeing what was going to happen for the World Cup 2023. But apart from that, very quiet down in the south of France. You did a few bits for that as well, didn't you, Johnny? Yeah, it was good for, um, for World Rugby. They asked me to do a little bits and bobs. Also did a bit of singing of uh, La Marseillaise with a few different faces, which was great fun for the, for the World Cup promo. So, no, it was really nice to be part of it. Um, I just, it's, it's miles away from the tournament, but just yeah. already it was something. It was something positive, rugby, something to shout about, something to look forward to for everybody. So no, it was really cool to be part of it. Um, shameful singing, um, but it was great fun. You heard the best and worst voice. And where did you rank, Johnny, in the, in the singing? <laughs> I was uh, dreadful. Uh, I would say Greg Laidlaw was actually, I was quite impressed by him. Uh, oh, you kiss ass. Come oh, on. He's a mate. He's a mate. Uh, best backdrop probably goes to Drew Mitchell. Very good. He had the yeah. Opera House in the background. That was very cool. And an absolute golden buzzer, an A for effort to Andrew Mertens. 100%. He had the French jersey on. <laughs> he was ironing his French jersey on his ironing board back in New Zealand. Um, no, he was great. I would say he definitely um, took the biscuit. He was, he was first class. Those little moments just make me get super pumped and excited about 2023. Yes. You could tell that France has got a special place in the heart of all rugby nations and all rugby players. Like Andrew Mertens, obviously, forget about Australia, but would never put any other uh, jersey because they, they want to, a bit like what happened in Japan, they want obviously to experience France, experience Europe, experience our our regions and our specialities and all that. And to be honest, I think there's a big there's a big emphasis put on Claude Dacier at the moment, who's the head of development of that 2023 guy. So he is Bernard Laporte's right hand, how do you say that, right hand man? Yep. Um, so, and he was already head of the 2007 World Cup uh, that was co-hosted by Great Britain and France. Um, and the results were fantastic, but they did feel that they didn't start early enough to actually create 
a huge um, excitement around it. So that was the first thing they wanted to do. They should have done a lot more. I think, Johnny, you went on that uh, 2023 train, didn't, they, didn't you? That yeah. thing that, that, that did, they, yeah. they tried to do a path all around France with having Chabal and Fred Michelac and Johnny and just other players, just showing a bit of the excitement, what's the World Cup going to be all about? Because, yes, the final will be in Paris. But you know how it is, those um, host cities, that's very important. That's, they're the ones who are going to have 25% of the, of the tourism and all the, the fans of all around the world who's going to come in. And they need to experience that from within. So I think it's a fantastic strategy in terms of communication just to create that excitement, that buzz, and just realize, oh, shit, in January, it's two and a half years around, or it's around the corner. It's going to be tomorrow. So the same players that we're seeing now are the ones who are going to be even better going to be there, right? So the excitement is massive. Clodacci is doing a good job. Uh, you know, you can live, you can love, you can hate Bernard Laporte, but at least when they've got something in their mind, <laughs> they get it, they get shit done. Huh? Yeah. And, and, and at the moment they're doing it great. But I, w- I was really pleased just to see, again, a reminder of how close to the heart. Like we always say, world rugby needs a strong French team, right? We, yes. the Six Nations desperately needs a strong strength team, but, but we're different. We play our part in this whole of craziness of rugby. You know, we, play, we bring something special to the table. And that's why I think everybody will be so happy. A bit like the Lions going to South Africa. Wow, they plan it more. 80% for the trip, 20% for the rugby, right? Well, <laughs> well France 2023, I hope it's going to be the same thing. Absolutely. We'll maybe talk about the pool drawer itself with our guest a little later on. Um, but I'm guessing it's been another... Busy week for you, Benji, always is. Yeah, yeah, just uh, European rugby. So I uh, did Northampton, Bordeaux. Not an amazing game, but uh, but but tough to see the Bordeaux guys uh, playing on. And it's funny, just as a reminder, I don't think we've spoken about this, or maybe a tiny bit, but I saw Guido Petit, you know, the Argentinian second world, just walking out. And I'm thinking, wow, his head must be full of stuff at the moment. How can you just, you know, put on a brave face and keep on going? And I'm thinking, oh, there's a lot going on. The symbolic was that he was standing, I think it was with uh, Paeva, the Lucet prop, and uh, Woki be- behind him. So I'm thinking those images must clash all the time. I-, I was just thinking, imagine I'm the captain of Bordeaux and he's hugging teammates like this in a hurdle. You must be thinking about it all the time, right? I mean, it's, it's huge. It doesn't just, just go in one Monday. And then he ended up getting injured for 25 minutes. And I'm thinking that's not, that's not down to luck, right? <laughs> No, 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 no. Come on. Let's not wish him bad. But it's, it's basically your brain telling you I'm not in, a, in the right, right space. How could be? Could he be? You know, it's, it's problematic. So, yeah, that on, on Friday, Bordeaux. And then I flew to, I did 700 flights to get myself to Paul Worcester. Hallelujah. It was actually a decent game. They played some rugby. They chucked the ball around. It was okay. And I met up with my mate, Thomas Domingo. He's a legend. Paul Tito and uh, Lan Petit. Big fish. The form uh, uh, went went all to 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 get promoted into the top top coaching job because they got rid of the both coaches. Um, and I'll give you an example of the forward and a back. Right, Conrad Smith, Conrad Smith, who's a back, obviously, decided to go home in February or something uh, to see his family. Hasn't been back in post since. Okay, because of lockdowns and stuff, he's there. He can't travel back. Paul Tito, who's a lineouts coach, sent his family back in February. They haven't been back since. He's family-less. Wow. And he was meant to leave last week to finally go and see them because he, he, he dealt something with the, with the club of being like, listen, give me a couple of weeks. I just need to go and see them. So he was only Lions coach at the time. So he prepared all the training sessions in PowerPoints. And, you know, he really did a thorough job. 
I think he's about to catch a taxi to go to the airport and then the president calls him like cancel your ticket mate we just sacked the head coach and you're not line outs coach anymore you're you're like head coach beast or whatever and um and and so i saw him at the game i don't even know him really well like we shook shook hands he's a few nice times boy. and stuff he's lovely and he just rocks up and he's like fucking am i you know he's like, I can't do this anymore. I you could tell the poor guy the life was out of him, and he's like, he's like pulling on his mask. They don't, they don't know what this is in New Zealand. Just, just don't know what it is. He can't blame his family for trying to stay there, protect their kids, you know, and just pretend like nothing's happening on the other side of the world. But I just thought actually that that crazy trip that was meant to be a little bit soulless. I ended up catching up with my mate Tomado Domingo, who's a really good mate of mine, um, watching a good game, and then actually seeing that, which was ah, hello, hey. <laughs> Who's this? This is the reality of COVID. And this is Alaska. She's three years old. Uh, don't be fooled by the doll face. She's a freaking torpedo. She's feisty. She, she, will, she will eat anything and she will beat up anyone. <laughs> if, you, if, if, you, if you cross this one in the street at night, change, change uh, <laughs> trottoir because she, she's ruthless. <laughs> I did tease our special guest quite well at the start of the show. I said we had a special guest coming on who had a bit more time on our hands. <laughs> a very, very special guest. <laughs> I was going to have her here, but I thought if you if you have the, the back sound, if it's Peppa Pig or, you know, <laughs> Stickman the whole time, it might be a little bit long for our listeners. So just give me two seconds. I'll go sort this out. I'll be right back. Bye. Bye, Alaska. Bye. 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 Okay. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh. Sorry, boys. Well, that was great, Benji. That, was, um, that wasn't the special guest that I thought we were going to have. But um, a bonus, Alaska. <laughs> you can't top that one. You can't top that one. That's it. That was absolute exclusivity. Well, let's give it a go. Let's see if he can top Alaska. And as we said at the start of the show, he has got a little bit more time on his hands than he was expecting this week after Toulouse's game against Exeter was called off. It's all black legend. Jerome Kano joins us. How are you, Jerome? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me, guys. Very good to have you on. Um, so, yeah, we mentioned it in the intro there. How did you find out about the news of the game being called off this week? And are you looking forward to a, a weekend off to rest the body or is it a bit frustrating? Well, um, I rocked up to training yesterday and uh, there were rumours about uh, some COVID cases in England. But um, it wasn't until the afternoon where we had an official team meeting for training where the coach uh, said um, that there's a possibility that the game might get called off because of the number of cases that Exeter and Glasgow have. But, um, yeah, I, I haven't been training with the team at the moment. I've been rehabbing an uh, uh, ankle problem. But, um, 
yeah, it's uh, quite disappointing, but uh, not not much changes for us. I think we're going to keep going with our training week, and uh, lucky for the boys, I think we'll have to train on Sunday to replace the game that we'll miss. Are the boys disappointed generally? I mean, it was a big semi-final loss last year. You're obviously looking to rectify that. Are the boys a little bit disappointed they don't get another bite and another crack at Exeter? Uh, yeah, there was a sense of uh, disappointment yesterday before training because the guys had uh, worked up so hard to uh, mentally prepared for this match. Um, I think once the draw got announced, uh, we, we marked this this game uh, definitely because we... We uh, it's still quite fresh in our memory that semi final, but uh, also them being the reigning champions and and also the pace they set <clears throat> in the premiership and also last week against Glasgow is uh, is definitely one that the boys uh, penciled in to to try and build up for. You mentioned Johnny that that semi final. I was there in Exeter. I commentated that game. And I remember the the lead up that week. You guys were getting super pissed off about basically the, the sort of the COVID treatment. I remember, I think some sort of escort waited for you at the airport and then you got taken to a hotel to be in a bubble. I mean, I know for a fact that the Exeter boys were having coffee in the morning because I saw some. <laughs> you know, they were clearly not in the bubble. So, and then when you got to the stadium, they were going to put you in some sort of other changing room because they said that the two-meter distance was not being respected. I was like, the boys are going to smash the shit out of each other for 80 minutes <laughs> in about, about half an hour. What's the point of not having them sitting next to each other? That, that, that for me, does not click. But just to, to tell you, in this thing, we try in this podcast we try to basically set the reality of what french rugby is and you've been there for a while so i think you understand now a big big motivation and i know for a fact especially in toulouse that's sort of the guinoves legacy they use that frustration and that, and that pissed offness as a fuel to get ready for a game obviously you got cut in the middle because the game is now pulled out but uh, did you feel that that fuel the energy that mola was like you know remember the, what they did to us remember what those british <laughs> did to us you know remember what exeter did you mentioned you know the pace and how good they are on the field okay that's fair enough but then there's also a lot more to it like, remember how mm. they treated us they made us wait you know the, that embarrassment it's all about respect right yeah there's a lot of things that add uh, that uh, the way we used to, to prepare and that's one of them the like the frustration in terms of the COVID restrictions and uh, how we had to wear masks and film our trainings to to th send through uh, to get clearance to travel. But um, yeah, there are a lot of those things that uh, uh, the coaches and the club uh, implemented to, to try and motivate us for the game. But we knew they were always going to be hard because uh, uh, in the Premiership and also uh, European Cup in the past, they've always been there or thereabouts. Um, in the top performers so for us we're under no illusions how hard it was going to be but um, I'm sure the coaches just wanted to add that extra fuel to the fire to make sure that we're, we're extra motivated. Some extra spice and have you had yeah. any communication of the coaches mentioned or the management said look we'll, we'll meet these guys again further down the track are you going to be awarded points have you had any communication as to what the point situation will be is the match forfeit by extra therefore you're going to get the, the full whack and a bonus or how does it work for you guys you know? I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure about this, but uh, I I went in this morning and got uh, uh, did some rehab and uh, we had our COVID tests. I think we had to, we have to all um, test negative for us to get full points. And if not, if we do come with cases, then obviously uh, both teams are void, so we have to split the points and and it would end up being a draw. So um, that, that's what I'm hearing. And uh, I also read a couple of articles this morning, which, uh, which states that as well. But um, 
not 100% sure. <laughs> Haven't heard it from uh, anywhere official yet, but uh, yeah, I hear it a lot. So it must be, there must be some weight to it. Yeah, I think there's a there's an EPCR meeting as well to that's been convened to to discuss it. But I, I think you're right. If you if you all test negative, you could be in for a um a full five point haul. And um if you get the points, then you're set up nicely, aren't you, for the rest of the campaign? Yeah, no, I would. Um no, we're not we're not gonna say no to to five, three five points. But uh, then again, we uh, were mentally prepared for this match and being at home, that would have given us extra comfort as well to to be able to beat be at our, uh, to prepare our own way in our own backyard and be at our own stadium to, to, to take on the champions. But um, yeah, it's people's uh, health at the Paramount at the moment. And you mentioned you're recovering from injury, Dream. How is that going? And at the age of, if you don't mind me saying, <laughs> 37, it's <laughs> tough going in Europe, isn't it? It's relentless week in, week out. Yeah, mate, it's been a bit frustrating. Um, I think I was due to play a couple of weeks ago. Um, with the where, where they assess the, the injury, but it just hasn't settled down um, as fast as I, I would like. Maybe ten years ago, I would have did my ankle and been running around playing touch uh, a week later. But body's getting a bit older, and it's taking a little bit longer to recover. Um, but um, no, I'm, I'm feeling good at the moment. Um, this week's uh, the, the intensity in my training, my rehab training, is just uh, bumped up a bit. So hopefully, I'll be ready by next week. Is it fair to say, Jerome, that the, the, the fact that you're, you're playing so well and playing a lot of minutes and stuff is also down to sort of the atmosphere that's within the team and within the boys? So I know, obviously, I'm good mates with Ice Toyava, who's a super good mate of yours. And he's told me that, based, that you were mind-blown about the team spirit and the, of those youngsters of what they're showing and stuff. Because, let's face it, you have nothing to prove. You only have to basically enjoy yourself and enjoy your rugby. I mean, I saw you play Locke. I saw you play full-on minutes nonstop. You could have, you know, just say, listen, my body's not ready for this. You need to pace me, whatever. And Ice was telling me that it's because you connected so well with all those youngsters in that team and you appreciate their, their passion, their commitment. Obviously, you guys won, won uh, the title 18 months ago. But is, is, it, is it fair to say that it's playing a lot in, in the fact of how much you're enjoying your, your time on the pitch? Yeah, 100%. Uh, when I arrived, I, you're right, I was blown away at the... Uh, the talent and the potential that these younger boys have here in Toulouse, but uh, also looking around at the top 14 uh, all around the, the, the country. Um, they're these guys at 18, 19, 20, just uh, when they get the opportunity, they, they just don't care. They just want to have a go. They just want to play rugby. And for me, being around that uh, every day here in the team environment, it gives me a bit of enthusiasm because uh, one, I don't want to drag the chain <laughs> in the team and, I don't want to show my age, but also it just uh, reminds me that uh, all I need to do is just go out there and, and do what I, I do what I, I love to do, and, and that's just express myself and not worry about my age or, or how long I've been around. It's just to go out there and enjoy it, and that's what these younger boys do, and they, they do add a bit of enthusiasm to my uh, everyday training life. But um, that, that's one side. And also, uh, we got guys that are uh, the same age as me as well that are uh, killing it over here. Sergio Parise, is, uh, for me, is the form um, number eight in the competition at the moment. And uh, he's been doing it for years. So seeing guys like that um, uh, definitely uh, gives me a bit of comfort that I, I, I can still uh, perform and, and uh, get out there and do it. And also, uh, I'm playing with Joe Takori as well. He's... Um, 
he, he's with me and uh, mate, that guy's a machine. Uh, I think in the last uh, year and a half, he hasn't missed the training and um, he never gets injured. He's too big, mate. How could he get injured? He just, he just bullies everybody else. He's too massive. <laughs> he does I guess it helps when you're that size and you're, yeah. but um, yeah, guys like that give me a bit of, um, give me a bit of a boost. I want to ask you a bit more about Joe because Joe's got a wonderful reputation in France as sort of being the sort of figurehead and a sort of father figure and a boy that brings culturally and team spirit loads out of the team in terms of organizing, being a sort of figurehead, everyone looks towards him, gets behind him. What kind of stuff does Joe bring? Because there's all this sort of myth around him. He was a cast as well before. He's a legend there as well. What does he bring on the off-field sense to everyday training and as the months go by that he managed to spark people and, and get people up all the time? Yeah, he's uh, he, he's definitely the chief here at um, Toulouse. Uh, the boys would do anything for him. But um, well, what it does on the field, that's one thing. But uh, I think his, his major impact is how he brings the boys together. He's always uh, trying to uh, make uh, social events for the guys. And um, he's always in the group chat, just making sure that everyone's okay. And if, uh, if the boys want to add anything to the, to the daily program or just making sure that the guys are... Um, uh, connected to the to, to the way we want to do things in the in the team culture, and uh, for us that's huge. Having someone like that who's been around and has connections, you know, you know to the to the foreign boys, and also you know, speaks French as well. Um, you know, he's been around in France for a while. It, it helps a lot, and uh, it, adds, it definitely adds to our team culture, which is uh, which is awesome. I've heard a few stories off the field as well. Is he um, among the best, if not the best? drinker you've ever played with Dre? 100% the best drinker <laughs> I've ever met in my life. I've, uh, I've been around some uh, massive drinkers but uh, yeah Joe's definitely uh, probably the he's at the top of the mountain. I, I've never met anyone like that and I, I can't seem to be able to be around long enough to see him drunk. <laughs> do, you, do you want to know what what the, the most the biggest recognition for being a good drinker is? I think he's probably one of the guys that got called up for the British Babas the most in the last 10 years. And when he doesn't play, he still gets asked to come just to be around the boys. <laughs> he is an absolute machine. He's the guy that will go out until nine o'clock in the morning. He'll still have yeah. whatever, a stereo sitting on his shoulder, jump in the bus, and he'll still deliver decent training. It's just, just he is. Just to add something to what you said, there's obviously, like you said, he's the cement, the glue. And I was lucky mm -hmm. enough to play a year with him in Castle. I think what he did also, it's also down to his family because him mm -hmm. and his wife, Helen, they just opened their house to you. Yeah. So it's, it's one thing, because my wife is English, Jerome, and, and, yeah. and basically coming to France, I guess it's a bit like you. It's easy for you to connect with the boys. You see them nonstop every day. You get 40 mm -hmm. mates after two weeks. You know, it's pretty easy. But the wives, it's a different story. And what they did is that they just opened their house. They're like, listen, yeah. kids, friends, wives, just come. Everybody enjoy, have a great time together. And let's face it, Cast was not my best season. Cast is not, it's not Toulouse, it's not Paris, it's not London. But my wife loved it just because of the connections that we had with, with those people. And we, it was very, very much family orientated. And I was 99% Joe and 1% Christmas Oi, maybe. But, <laughs> but, it was, but the rest was Joe. <laughs> it's a dangerous combination, but uh, yeah, you're right. Um, I think the way the the reason why the boys connect so well is because they know that uh, the partners are taken care of, and Helen's a huge part of that. Um, Joe and Helen uh, do do loads with with the families and everything, and that that gives us comfort to be able to just go to training or travel on away trips and 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 know that our our families and our partners are taken care of with uh, uh, with having someone like Helen uh, there. Just going 
going through that integration into French life when you moved over, Jerome, how how hard was it at first? Obviously, it helps having someone like Joe there, um, but the language, the culture, the rugby, everything rolled into one. How hard was it to to kind of get used to? Uh, hard, hard wouldn't even be in the sentence. Uh, I've enjoyed every single bit of it. Uh, for me, it was an easy transition. I kind of, I've travelled to France enough to know what to expect, and um, but um, arriving here in Toulouse and, and settling in, it just uh, it ex- exceeded my expectations. It, uh, it was so easy um, to get along with the guys. I think the hardest thing for me is just the language. Um, I'm getting lessons and everything, but just uh, I'm not grasping it as fast as I, I want to. But um, I'm at the stage where I can understand uh, a French conversation. It's just um, getting my vocab to a point where I can reply and get the confidence. But in terms of uh, everything else, the, the club environment, even around in Toulouse, the town, the neighbours, uh, everything's just been great. Um, my family love it. My, love, my, my, my wife loves it. And... Um, and uh, would would love to settle settle here as long as possible. Had you always had a desire to play your rugby in France? Like you'd obviously played in, like you're in the World Cup over here. You had some games. You played against the French national team. You had loads of mates that were over here. But when you were playing in black and when you were back home playing Super Rugby, mm. had you always looked forward and seen yourself playing here, or was it something that arrived out of the blue? How did it happen for you? No, I'd um, since 2011. I'd always um, been in talks with uh, Toulouse. Uh, just with the connections that I had with uh, my friends that had played here. I had uh, Luke McAllister, who's a very close friend of mine who played here for a while, Corey Flynn. Um, uh, I, I was pretty close to coming after the two, two, 2011 World Cup, but um, um, I had a young family then and uh, I still thought that I could add a little bit. So I decided to go to Japan instead of coming uh, to France, um, which was a little bit closer to home. But um, I always wanted to come to Europe, whether it was France or the UK, um, just to test ourselves out. Because uh, there's, there's this, uh, uh, all the boys in, in the Southern Hemisphere talk about how long the season is here in, uh, in Europe. And also uh, the weather uh, plays a big part in those conversations. But coming over here, yeah, it, uh, it's a long season, but uh, you do get a lot of breaks and it's... Um, I think the games that you experience with the crowds and everything that adds to to the enjoyment, and it doesn't seem as long as it as it is. I've, I've enjoyed my first season; it went by so quick, and um, I think that's one thing that uh, deters some players in the Southern Hemisphere from coming up here is that uh, they they say it's a long season. It's you play so many games, and uh, I'm not too sure if you get a rest. But if you do, if uh, if they do come over here, I'm sure they'll enjoy it as much as they. I think so you mentioned you mentioned the crowds I, I do think one of the biggest assets of France is literally the country Absolutely. whether you're in Toulouse Perpignan Clermont Paris or Biritz or Bayonne where where Johnny is it's just a different life right I mean mm-hmm. you, you feel like you're traveling from Spain to Italy back to Paris and whatever and then you feel that in the stands you feel that in the crowds you feel that in the the, the the pride that people have, you know, those the the, the when you're in Pays Basque, they sing that song. When you're in Po, they sing something else. In Toulouse, they speak Occitan. You know, and we're very very proud of it. So you, you mentioned that. Obviously, it's gonna. I, I don't want to speak about the game because it's still sore. But <laughs> but if but if but if you remember the title 2019 that you guys deserved to win and you guys won it and fair play. If you talk about the celebrations after, because Toulouse is pretty hot. If you compare mm. that to 
2011, bringing the World Cup back in NZ. Can, does it, is there some sort of, obviously, a World Cup to Brennus is different. I get that, no mm. problem. But the passion is so huge in Toulouse. I'm sure that you were blown away by the reception of the fans, yeah. right? Yeah, of, yeah, 2011, that was special because of uh, being at home and obviously it's a World Cup and it should be big. But uh, that celebration in 2019 at the Capitals, it was crazy. I was blown away. Um, I'd heard a lot of stories from uh, like Clem Potrino and a lot of the Max Meta, a lot of the ex-players. Uh, had said uh, you better prepare yourself for the celebrations, but uh, yeah, the, the the way the the city got behind it and uh, just seeing red everywhere in the city it was it was crazy, and I, I don't think I've ever experienced something like that uh, ever, and um, uh, that gives me a bit of motivation to try and replicate that uh, hopefully sometime soon. But uh, yeah, you're right, the atmosphere that you experience at the stadiums at the games. It differs from club to club because uh, they, they have their own songs. They, they wave their big flags around. And I, I guess that adds to the enjoyment uh, every week when you go out there and play. In terms of integrating, you said you found it easy on the sort of off-field side. People were growing really welcoming. How did you find the on-field stuff? Um, Ugo Mole as a coach that has evolved massively over the year. If you watch his team from Breve and how they played to what you guys do now in Toulouse, the template that you have mm. and the players that you work with, how enjoyable is the on-field stuff? Like you look like you're having the time of your life, still running around like a spring chicken, but how <laughs> good is it playing that rugby with Toulouse? Off, on the field, it was, a, it was a little bit harder than I, uh, I thought um, to start off with, but then I, I got used to it. Um, in New Zealand, they always say, play what's in front of you, but to a certain extent, because they're very structured. Uh, well, I came through a system where everything was structured to to a certain point, and then you just uh, back your skills. But here in France, it's it's uh, play what's in front of you from the get-go. And um, oh, I'm not used to that. I wasn't used to that kind of play where you just uh, back yourself uh, from the first phase to, to however long you have the ball. And... Um, I had to sit back and watch uh, a few trainings to see how the boys adapted to it and how they how they do it, and um, uh, it, it didn't really suit me at first. But uh, and then I found that I just needed to to go out there and enjoy myself. Like there was no there was no such thing as a wrong decision, um, and um, I, I'm enjoying it now. I, I think they've brought a lot more structure to the way we play now, and um, and the younger boys that will come in, they've uh, They've added to it. So for me, playing around like guys like Roman Intermac and uh, Anton Dupont, I always have to be on my toes. Oh, also someone like Cheslin as well. You always have to be on your toes because you never know what they're going to do. And uh, all you have to do is just be ready to to react to anything anything they do or the breaks that they make. But see, Mola, from a, from a coaching perspective, does he basically just go out and say, back your skill set and do whatever you want. Because the amount of offloads you guys chuck, that I'm like, this is going to go wrong. Or you watch that game against Ulster, poor in conditions, but, you know, Antoine Dupont is still trying things, still trying to force three on twos that a lot of coaches would say, no, no, handbrake mm -hmm. on, don't try that. Is Ugo just like, go for it, have a field day, back yourselves and go and have fun? Or how does it work? Because some of the stuff that you throw together is ridiculous. Mm. Well, they're really... Uh well organized with the way they want the, the boys to play. They, they have a structure, but uh, there are certain situations where they're, they're, they're like, uh, you've just got to back yourself here. And um, a lot of the forwards are just like, oh, we've got Cheslin, Roma and Anton there. We've got to make sure that we're, we're always on the move. So, um, no, I, I love the way they want us to play and they want the team to, 
to play and uh, especially from uh, props to, to the number eight, everyone's got to have a certain amount of skill set to be able to play play that style. It's, I think it's not exclusive to Toulouse. It's it's the way a lot of the teams play here in France and and it's uh, great for a spectator to, to be able to, to watch and, and see because uh, there's some freakish things that happen. You, you mentioned Dupont and Entamac. I was one of the first guys to be like, let's, let's take a step down with Dupont. Let him time, give him time, you know, to, to actually learn the trade. Phenomenal athlete, incredible player. But number nine is more than that, right? He's got to have the strategic kicking game. He's got to have a mm. bit of a clearer head on things. At the moment, even a shit kick, he'll just jump, gather it, and then step somebody and score, <laughs> right? So, so he's doing my head in because he's, he's, he's basically performing on any situation. I have to admit, in the last six months, I think that both of them, especially Entamac also, they've really reached a level that I think is pretty awesome. I mean, they're delivering on international stage. They're connecting better. Uh, I don't know if you saw the France-Ireland game, the last Six Nations game, and I thought Entamac had his best game under the blue jersey. Really mm. did everything. You know, he really had a bit, a bit of everything. The, so again, I don't want to rub them again because they, they have enough good press, but they're not going to yeah. listen to this. So you can slag them if you want or you mm. can praise them if you want. <laughs> but honestly, like bottom of your heart, how good do you think they are compared to nines and tens? And you've seen some, some pretty decent nines and tens in your career. Um, how good can they be or are they at the moment? Oh, well, I think uh, Anton Dupont's the best halfback in the world at the moment. Uh, the way he's been performing the last uh, year and year and a half, like uh, where everyone says, cut that, uh, cut that, it's enough. We've <laughs> heard enough. <laughs> like everyone compares him to Aaron Smith, and I think they're two totally different uh, players. Yeah. Um, but um, just the amount of rugby that Anton's had, and uh, and each time he goes up there, he's uh, there or thereabouts to play play of the match every game. And the standards he standard he's held, but um, yeah, Aaron's been playing well as well. But I, I think that Anton's been the best halfback in the in, in the world the last year. But um, where they can go from here, I reckon they could both be uh, best in the world in the next uh, five or six years. Uh, Roman, he's um, he's still got a lot of movement to go, but he's playing awesome rugby at the moment. So both. Uh, Young guys, but definitely uh, mature heads on their shoulders, uh, which, which is uh, quite encouraging to uh, where they could take their potential. We've obviously just seen the pool draw for the 2023 World Cup. So Intermac and Dupont are going to be 9 and 10, hopefully, for that French team in 2023. Have you had much banter in the dressing room? Now that you know there's going to be another French-New Zealand clash, how is that going in the changing room? And what do you make of that clash? So I'm, like, I've been saying the past few months, I would love to see... Toto Dupont go up against Aaron Smith. I think that's the clash yeah. everybody wants to see. And everybody loves the history between the two teams as well. The, the clashes you've had at World Cups in quarters and in finals, they've been amazing to watch. So have you had any back and forth in the change room? What's been said? Um, and are the New Zealand public a little bit worried about coming up against France in France? No, there hasn't been much uh, banter in the change room. But, I don't believe uh, you. I could, I could guarantee <laughs> you that uh, the... There will be uh, a bit of spice to the to the next uh, New Zealand uh, French encounter. Uh, I see that they might be touring here next year, November, which uh, which will be interesting. But yeah, we're we're always worried every time we come up against France in a in a World Cup, whether it's pool stages or even uh, knockout stages, because uh, we've got a history of uh, getting knocked out or uh, getting beaten by the French at World Cups. But um, I think it's going to be an interesting one. 
playing France in France is a, is a totally different story. And um, with, uh, with the history that we have at World Cups, so I'm sure the, the French public are going to get behind it and uh, it's not going to be easy for, the, for, for both sides. But um, yeah, the, both teams have a lot of time to prepare and there's a lot of rugby to be played before then. But um, uh, I think the, the mental warfare uh, until then, it's gonna, just going to ramp up every time. Uh, you just you just crashed in my in my basically in my rankings because you bluntly <laughs> lied to us to say that you were worried to play against France in 2015 World Cup and the quarterfinal. That's not true, mate. You guys whipped our ass 60 points. We we were knocked out of the park by a way better team. Uh, so or or maybe actually you're you're being super humble and modest, but it's that's the reason why you whipped our ass is because you took it very seriously. I tell you, for us to put in that performance, it was a week of. Um... Uh, a lot of soul searching, a lot of looking back at past games, and uh, the trainings that week were pretty uh, ruthless. So, um, yeah, we wouldn't have put a performance in like that if we weren't worried. So, um, yeah, we we had to make sure that we're on our game. Otherwise, uh, history would have, would have repeated itself. On a side note, I think it's actually the best draw for France you can have because that guarantees you of not playing the ABs in the quarters. And I played the 2015 World Cup where we had Ireland. And basically, we knew that in the pool stages, either you were going to play Ireland, either you're going to play Argentina. And everybody was praying not to play the ABs of that last game, basically. And we lost a close loss against Ireland. So for 2023, you're going to, if you want to be the best, you're going to have to you know, be the best. Sorry, you're going to have to beat the best at some point. That's no problem. Yeah. But the quarterfinals is different. You know, you still have mm. two games to play. It's a, bit, it's a bit different. So I think it's actually a very, very good draw for the French. And it might be the open ga- opening game, right? So that will launch the, the World Cup sky yeah. high. It's so it's yeah. good actually for both teams. You can tell you can the ABs want to win it, or well, they'll know actually if they can really deliver something or not. France want to win it, well, that's challenge, you know, they were one of the best teams in the world and actually get there. So I, I do think actually it's a it's a great draw for both teams. I've uh, I've played in uh, in Paris uh, on an NEA tour and it's uh, quite intimidating uh, having the crowd getting behind you and uh, uh, getting behind the French team. But uh, to play here in France in a World Cup game, it's, uh, uh, I think that atmosphere is just going to ramp up. It's going to be quite an intimidating place to play. And talking about the All Blacks, Jerome, and your massive history with them and the young French talent in Toulouse and France at the moment, is there anything that you've brought to Toulouse in terms of either the culture off the field or, or on the field from the All Blacks and from New Zealand that you can kind of give us an insight into? I don't think I've added too much. I think for me, my, my sole focus was to make sure that I perform well before I uh, implement any anything into the into the team. I think I've worked more with the uh, uh, the coaches and and uh, in terms of scheduling. Um, but um, uh, one thing I I kind of feel like I add is that when uh, when when teams do well here in France. At halftime, there seems to be a hell of a lot of talking, a lot of excitement, and uh, and then if you're not doing well in the first half, you get into the changing room, and it's the polar opposite. Guys are just quiet, heads are down, and uh, I think for us, more experienced guys in the squad, is just to find that balance. That whether you're not going well or you you are doing well, just to keep a medium, making sure that everyone's got to process it in that period at that halftime period. Because uh, even though you're doing well, you get in there and there's a lot of noise. You can you seem to skip past the things that you need to need to improve on that you need to do. 
but also if you're not doing well and you get in there and it's quiet, guys um, seem to drop their heads and you go, you don't go out there and do what you need to do. Hang on, we've got we've got a special There's guest a special again. Guest. Both, back. Both special guests on at the same time. Alaska, have you got a question for Jerome? <laughs> I think she would ask if he's got the chocolate cake or something. That's the only <laughs> question she would ask. I think what you what you guys brought. I, I'm a huge I'm a huge believer in culture, values, interest in leadership, and all that. And I, I know for a fact that you guys, the ABs, have really put a lot of time and effort into transforming the ABs from within, and you know, swiping the sheds. Mm. Clairement, we started doing it because we copied the ABs, 100%. I'm not afraid of saying it. But I think it's a fantastic statement to say, listen, this is how we're going to lead. We're going to be humble enough, hungry enough, curious enough. I think that's your main contribution to Toulouse. It's just who you are as a bloke, how you behave and stuff. Then the pitch is one thing. Mm. But how you behave off the pitch and, and with the boys, I think that's, that's your biggest contribution. It's pretty cool to hear it from you. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the place. I, I don't know where the All Blacks got it from. I think we got uh, sweep the sheets from somewhere. But um, I, I was blown away by when we when we come here in France that uh, you, the players get a lot more than uh, than what we get in the summer in New Zealand. Like we guys have to do their own laundry and and then after <laughs> training. But uh, here in Toulouse, you just put your your clothes in a, in, a, in a sack and then uh, the old uh, laundry man does it for you and uh, I think in New Zealand we have to we have to make sure that we earn those privileges to 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 get them and uh, I guess that's uh, one part of it but here in, uh, here in Toulouse the the young kids coming through they're, they're quite appreciative of everything they get and they make sure that they earn their respect before they uh, they do things, so um, I, I don't feel like I had to make a or had to do anything to to make the movement on that side of things. But uh, no, it's great to see that a lot of clubs are implementing that kind of thing. But yeah, here in Toulouse, it's been easy. There's so many great guys to, to get along with, and uh, team culture has been awesome. You've had some impact so far, but you're off contract in 2021. I was going to ask you: Have you had any discussions about re-signing and staying on and extending the journey, or moving on elsewhere? No, I'm I'm done playing after this year. Um, uh, you know, when you know it's time, you know it's time, and uh, I'm just going to enjoy as much as uh, the what's left of the season in terms of playing. But I've expressed to the club that I'd I'd love to live in France for as long as possible. I've um, enjoyed the the city and and uh, we've, we've just been talks and hopefully joining um i'd love to work with the academy here in um in toulouse with the esquires and um, the game's given me so much so it's um i'd love to be able to somehow give back to the game that's given me so many opportunities and hopefully i can pass on some of the knowledge that i've learned throughout my journey that's great to hear and and awesome. you mentioned already that you've you've been working with the coaches and, and perhaps that's where you've added more already we we had Joe Rokothako on before and he was saying when he first arrived in France the the coaching level was maybe not where it needed to be and it was maybe at the kind of level he'd experienced at, at under 20s in in New Zealand obviously in recent years it's it's moved on more but just wonder what you've made of of the coaching particularly you've given us an insight kind of so far into that it's more more heads up rugby um but yeah what do you feel like you've you've added in that respect and and where do you think the coaching is at, at the moment in France Oh, when I first came, I I thought the coaching was uh, at a high level. It was it was quite it was quite awesome. It was, it's quite different to New Zealand because New Zealand coaches have their different style, and everyone everyone adapts to their style. But also, it's 
the ideas are, are quite similar in New Zealand because how the All Blacks play is how majority of the Super Rugby teams play and how they're coached. But here in France, uh, here in Toulouse, um, I saw that uh, a lot of um, a lot of the coaching ideas and the game plan structure were worked around uh, the players' strengths. Uh, I think they put a lot of time into who who they've got on the who we've got on the team, who we've got on the roster, and and each player's strengths, and and they built the game around around that. And uh, I, I don't think I didn't think I needed to add much to to how how the game plan needed to be. I think it was more in terms of little little things we can improve in the forwards. Um, but um, uh, it, it's, it's hard to try and improve things when uh, coaches put so much time into players' uh, strengths, weaknesses, and, and they built the game around that. And I think it worked. And it's, uh, it's working at the moment because the coaches are still trying to evolve our game, uh, evolve the way players play. And it's, uh, it's been awesome for me to, to be able to sit back and learn. And you've obviously come over to the top 14 and had a massive impact. Why do you think we don't see more French players go over and play in Super Rugby maybe? And is that something you'd like to see more of? Is that something you could maybe encourage a few of them to go go over there without flogging to lose as players to the Southern Hemisphere? Yeah, it'd be great. I think it's, uh, for a young player, it's always great to, to get as many experiences as possible. And, um, uh, and likewise, the other way for Super Rugby players to come over here and experience the style of rugby over here because... Um, uh, for me, if I came over earlier, I'll, I would have been blown away. Just the, the the crowds, the style of rugby and the life that you live. But uh, for a young player here in France, I, I don't see why not to be able to go and experience super rugby and learn a different culture and learn a different uh, style of rugby. I think it would only benefit them in terms of uh, not only just the uh, rugby side, but in, in life. Definitely. I mean, I, I would have loved to see some guys and, and, and experience it from inside. I thought you were going to answer that that it's actually hard for uh, provinces to or super rugby franchises to take on foreign players if they're eligible for the ABs. But if it's possible, then phew, that would be amazing. I mean, you're very well connected, obviously, with the Blues and that, what's mm. the name of the Harlequin Centre? Mer- Joe Merchant? Joe Joe Merchant? Yeah. So I thought he just went. Apparently, he was killing it and he's yeah. only came back as a better player. So it is it is possible. Yeah. Can you tell us like how that deal came across? If if you know, and if you don't, who would you like to see in France? You think could really benefit from taking a year and going down there from your Toulouse mates, maybe? Um, I don't know how the Joe Marchant uh, uh, deal came came along. I think uh, he wanted to change and he wanted to experience something else. But uh, I'm just glad he chose the Blues instead of any other franchise. But um, yeah, there are a lot of players here in Toulouse that I would like to see go over there. But uh, for me, it, it's more of the, um, uh, the the forwards and the um, some of the players. I'd love to see uh, Silly Tulafour go to Super Rugby and and, and try it out because um, he's he's special. Uh, he's guy. a beast. He's um, just likes to just loves to play, backs himself, and um, for me, I'd like to see him go and and. Try it out with some of the loose forwards in New Zealand, and see see how he goes. But I think he's uh, it's going to be on the French team for a little while yet, if they they give him more time. But um, for me, I think he's he's quite a special kid. Yeah, he's he's de- deceptively strong and 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 good, yeah. right? Cyril Bay, Julien Marchand, so extraordinary, powerful. They know their stuff, right? But I think for them to become the best in the world. They, they would fit so well in Southern Hemisphere just to actually learn a different trade, especially Cyril Bay. I mean, he's one of the strongest commissioners <laughs> you'll find. 
he might <laughs> need to lose a few pounds. Fair enough. Okay. But, but still, I mean, he can shift that weight. It's not a problem. Right. And I think South Hemisphere will probably teach him and yeah. especially NZ will teach him a lot in terms of skills development and all that. I think their skills are pretty uh, impressive. Those two uh, front rows for, for, for some big boys. Uh, they're quite mobile and, um, and, and they love to just carry the ball and, and express their skills. And Cyril Bias, he's special as well. But um, yeah, I would love to see those two um, go to the Southern Hemisphere and, um, and test themselves there. Um, but definitely, I think those two are pretty, uh, pretty mobile for front rolls, the way they, they do things and, and throw the ball around. I think there is an official relationship between Harlequins and the NZRU. So um, maybe we've created another one here between Toulouse and, and the NZRU. Jerome, you're up for that? Let's hope so. <laughs> now that you're going to be head of academy, you've announced it here. Head of academy and S-bars at Toulouse sets up exchange program with Blues Rugby. <laughs> but I was going to ask you as well. So you're Simone Descent and you just signed up. You're in the Pacific Rugby Player Welfare Board member. Dan Leo is doing a power of work as well. Another man mm. that's played in France, an absolute legend over here as well. Um, the Oceans Apart film is outstanding. But I wanted to ask you generally just on your thought on governance, finance, Pacific Islands rugby, where it is now and what needs to be done. There's obviously a massive gap and a huge hole that needs mm. to be helped and filled so that Pacific rugby can flourish properly. Generally, it's a big question, but what do you think needs to be done so that Pacific rugby can get to where it needs to be? Right, it's, um, oh, I'm learning so much being on the board and learning from Dan. But um, in terms of what needs to be done, there's so much that needs to be done. And and I don't think it's uh, it's it's a one conversation uh, fixes all type thing. I think there are so many issues in terms of uh, uh, even playing field in terms of the island nations, uh, getting them more exposure to the top teams and also revenue share in terms of the games that they play. Uh, they're never going to improve if they don't get uh, uh, the funding from, from the top-level games that they do get, the, the small amount of games that they do get, and also the treatment that they get uh, when they do go to World Cups and competitions with a small turnaround, a few days turnaround that they get between games. And um, but, um, but I've learned so much from Dan and, and the rest of the guys in the group in terms of how things have been going. Like for me, being in the Southern Hemisphere for a long time, you you do get a you do get uh, noises about what happens to the players because you have a close connection to the boys that play in those teams, but you don't actually know what uh, what happens uh, to teams that come over to to the UK and play England or Ireland and 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 how the how does some of the players are, uh, you know, get going into their own pockets to pay for their flights to to even get on a tour? So um, yeah, there's so much that needs to be done, and um, hopefully, I'm part of a group that can help uh, even um, uh, get more exposure to those problems. I was going to say because you're involved, aren't you, in that Kanaloa Hawaii group with a few other former players? Yeah. I know there there were rumours that they might be going into MLR and maybe mm. maybe not. But how important is that to get a sort of franchise where that could really help, couldn't it? Yeah, it'd be great to to have <laughs> a franchise um, to to get more exposure to the to island nations, the island players who don't get the opportunities, who don't uh, get the exposure to come here to France to be able to. Uh, to play and then ultimately get selected for their countries to, 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 to play. So um, to have a franchise based in either New Zealand or Australia to, to help um, bring those players up 
it's uh, it's going to be hard for the island nations to be able to get exposure because they don't get as many uh, test matches or or other competitions to be involved in to be able to to build their their player base. And one of the major talking points when it comes to Pacific Island rugby as well is the eligibility rules where you might get a player winning one or two caps for New Zealand mm. and then that's it. Have you got any views on, obviously it's different for you personally, but for a guy like Charles Pieter, for example, yeah. have you got any views on that, what the eligibility ruling should be? Yeah, I personally would love for the eligibility rules to be uh, loosened up with players who only have a few caps and haven't played for a couple of years on the international stage to be able to have the opportunity to to play for their to their home nation or their their country of birth. Oh, I guess it just adds to the that competition and it also gives a bit more strength to those uh, island nations who don't have uh, those home competitions to be able to breed their players. Um, oh, I think it would only be a good thing for world rugby and and it'll improve the the level that those um, uh, island nations perform at. I I couldn't agree more. I, I actually don't understand why world, world rugby did not step on it if you if you say that those players imagine Charles Prita being involved with Tonga right I mean mm. uh, if you say that they can do that two years before and that they could potentially steal the spot of somebody else that's different but mm. if you allow them just to go to the World Cup I do not understand how they not agree it straight away like a guy like that surely everybody wants to see him on the pitch right yeah it's, it's, surely he can only bring to the team bring to the competition in general bring to the fans bring to the excitement so that I didn't understand uh, yeah. So you mentioned, obviously, share of revenue. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that documentary is heartbreaking. When you see mm. the Fijian guys filling 90,000 people in Twickenham, they make 5 million bucks. And these guys will get what for the equivalent of $45, yeah. considering they have to pay for their flights. Okay, But it's not only them. I mean, I was, I was with the Argentinians for a while in, in Leicester and in France and stuff. And Marco Sayers had a big loose head. He used to get, I think it was 1,800 pounds per week missed by Leicester. And then he would get a bonus of $450. So it used to cost him a grand every time he went to play for Argentina. And they would cry before the anthems. And they would cry after, you know, they're super passionate. So it was, it was a matter of heart more than anything. But to bring it to the club level, mm. there's a lot of, a lot of um, young Islanders or South Africans or just international players that come to play in France. Do you reckon there's enough of a setup to... I don't know why. Maybe it's I'm I'm putting people in categories, but I just feel that we've we've sucked on the youth and the talent of Fiji and rugby in France for a long, long time, and those guys are are can come and be completely disconnected to the way of life in Europe. And mm. I feel that if you if you send them back, if if it doesn't work, because sometimes shit happens, uh, and they go back, we haven't really. We, we haven't helped them enough. It's a bit unfair, basically, to disconnect them from their roots ten thousand k's away use them for their for their body and for their rugby uh, skill and if it doesn't turn out good not to have that support network i just want to know do do you see that in france happening at the moment i i personally haven't seen it but i have heard a lot of stories about it and uh, yeah it's, uh, i'd love to see the education also that support system for the players who come directly from the islands live in a totally different culture uh different country and um and if things don't work out, they just ship back, and then there's no real support network for them. I guess for us, the the Pacific Island um, players' welfare, I think we're we're trying to bridge that gap. But I think definitely the clubs do have a responsibility to make sure that the players are educated, but also have their support support system that if things don't do 
uh, if things don't go the way they they plan, uh, that they they do have a soft landing or they do have something else to be able to go back to. But that's why I'm quite keen to push a, a franchise or a, a, a competition back in the islands that if they don't make it in the big leagues here in France or England, that they do have a competition or something to be able to go back to to hopefully um, boost their chances of making it somewhere else. I know there are a few clubs in France that do it, Benji, so it's by no means just Claremont, but obviously because of your involvement with Claremont. Claremont have a, an academy set up, don't they, in Nadroga? In Nadroga they do, yeah. But it's, I mean, so listen, the, the whole thing happened that since Napoli and Naraga rocked people's lives in Clermont, scored 105 tries for this club, transformed the team, got the first title in 2010, contributed to getting the first title in 2010, they really saw basically the potential. Um, what I know for a fact that it's, it's an exchange of giving opportunity to players. So Alivier Tiraka, Pesili Yato, uh, Tuikuvu, who's now in Brief, all those guys came from Nadroga. But also we send kits, we send the, the head of academy goes roughly twice or three times a year to actually give some training structures and to try to pass on the knowledge. So they're not, they're trying at least to do it a little bit better. And now the new, the new thing is because of the French uh, Pacific Islands, there's a new Caledonia, you know, Wallis and Futuna and all that. So there's the, the, I mean, the, the French Islanders is absolutely huge. And they're all playing in the French team now because they've got a God-given talent that is just extraordinarily perfect fit with rugby. Rodrigue Netti, who plays in Toulouse. Movaka, who plays in Toulouse. Uh, you know, Vamaina, that are playing a long time. The Taofifinora brothers. Celio Tolofua and his brother, who, who, who plays in Toulon. I mean, they've got Moefana, that center, that nobody knew who he was three weeks ago. It was just so yeah. good. They've got incredible talent. And they are French. So it's the same idea. Guys who live in the islands deserve a shot if they want to come. Because there's no, unfortunately, there's no real rugby structures in the islands at the moment. But I think it's, it's too selfish and too narrow-minded to think that you can take somebody from 10,000 Ks, bring him to freezing cold Clermont, if it does work, look, um, Raka is French. He's married to a French woman. I don't think he's ever going to go back. And he's a great dude. Pisili Yato is fantastic. But there's not only success stories. Mm. There's also bad stories, like for everyone, anywhere. And I just feel that they need to give back. Like you said, a support system. I think you've, you've touched something important, maybe education. They can come. They, it could be a failure in rugby, but it could be success in terms of a degree or an exam or something that they can learn while they're over here, you know, and, and, and bring it back for them something given to them for the rest of their lives yeah well interesting well thank you ever so much for joining us Jerome and that may be an insight into what you do when you hang up the boots at the end of this season maybe you can get involved in that as well maybe if I can get on the field again but uh, no thanks for having me guys Pleasure, thanks very thank much. you very much good luck with the injury recovery as well Jerome cheers guys see you soon mate thanks a lot see you fellas so he's really tight with ice really tight and so he's told me a lot about him. I don't. I barely know him. I've spoken to him a couple of times. That's it. And then after the 2019 final, so he's double World Cup winner, right? He's got 80 caps for the ABs. I've never spoken to him. He's the first Toulouse guy. He was. Con he was. There was a Toulouse guy about to congratulate them to win the Brennus and stuff just after the final. And it was my last final game. And he pushed the guy away. He's like somebody was going to jump and he pushed him away. And I saw he pushed somebody else and he came to see me. He's like, congratulations and a amazing career. And he really took the time, you know, to actually. 
thank me and I, I don't know him and i think shit he's a big dude you know he's a, he's he's a proper legend if you know what i mean he's a, I, I didn't mean big dude as physically obviously he's a big <laughs> he fella he's like a cupboard as well he's massive of course but he yeah, he's a of nice course guy yes but i thought as as yeah he's he's a genuinely top dude i'm very very interesting to hear benji that he hasn't been in France that long, a, a bit more recently than a few others that we've spoken to, but already planning to stay, planning to stay and wants to work behind the scenes at Toulouse. Uh, it's amazing. Um, it, is, it is a bit of a, it's a success story, okay, what he's doing. So he arrived with the incredible CV, but there's a way to address it. So he says he fell in love because he's mega humble. He fell in love with the young players. They bring a lot of passion. Okay, I've heard from everybody in Toulouse that he's been a legend. All right, he's contributing a lot to the content. He's contributing a lot just by being an incredible uh, bloke, uh, leading leading by example on and off the field. You know, one never complaining. Give imagine. So if Jerome Kano says, "Yeah, well, I'll play second row, no problem," delivers a good game. That means all the youngsters next to it, they're like, oh shit, I better roll my sleeves up and, and contribute to the team, you know? And that's, that's how he leads. So it's been a success story, I think, is, and so Toulouse are trying to give back as much. When somebody gives as much, you want to give, give back. So it, it is absolutely delightful to hear him speak so positively and to feel that him and his family could see themselves stay. stay. It's, it's, um, no, no, it's, it's, it's a very fantastic testament for Toulouse and for France in general. It was really interesting as well that he said that they, they'd been in conversations yeah. since 2011. So they'd obviously, they had their man. They knew that he was the way, because everyone exactly. knows, like rugby's a small world. You know the guy's incredible. You know what he does on the pitch. Get into him, try and get him over. They've done so. But now for Toulouse, if they do get him to stay, be head of academy or defensive role or, or something, can you imagine the young kids coming up, getting to work with him? Yeah, it's, it's, That's it's, your head of your centre formation is Jerome Cano, World Cup winner, 80 caps for the ABs, absolute legend, amazing bloke. I mean, it's incredible for the club and absolutely huge, huge steal for the club. But, you know, they worked really hard at it. They did. So fair play since 2011, working hard, grinding, trying to get him over. Imagine Luke McAllister and them's Tialata will all be in his ear as well. You know, come on, it's an amazing place. But wonderful for those kids if they get him to have as their inspirational leader and a guy that can lead their trainings. I mean, that'd be incredible for them. So wonderful for Toulouse for the club. Brilliant to have Jerome on. Um, he wasn't in action for Toulouse at the weekend when they beat Ulster. But a great win for Toulouse and a great win for the French clubs in general. Seven of the eight in the Champions Cup yeah. won and all four of those away from home. So I just want to ask you gen generally because we're all about dispelling myths, as you say, Benji. Can we put that one to bed finally now that French clubs don't travel well? Can, we, can no one ever say that again? Absolutely. But it, to be honest and to be fair to people, it's, it's a recent thing, right? <laughs> it hasn't always been the case. Um, but the, the teams who want to take on European rugby, Toulouse, Racing, Clermont, Bordeaux, La Rochelle potentially, they, they know that that's, that's the way to do it. So it's also learning from your mistakes, um, being open-minded uh, and, and, and just adapting to, to the competition. But I'm sure you're going to ask me about Clermont-Bristol. I was absolutely delighted. Big, big achievement. So Bristol without Radradra, okay. It's maybe not the same Bristol, fair enough. And I think Pat Lam will be fuming because he said that he, he was angry against the Fijian squad for playing him 80 minutes when I think he, he had a dead leg or a bad knee that then pulled him out of the game. Um, that, okay, fair enough. But still, huge performance. Uh, 50 points. 51 points. Bristol in Bristol. That's, that is big. Matsushima is just unstoppable. Oh, Damien Puno, remember? Oh. 
<laughs> Don't skip past Matsushima. He's, he's proving you wrong a little bit, isn't he, Benji? I have to admit. No, no, I, I completely have to admit. I, I had my doubts and he's just delivering. Uh, from what I hear from the boys, he was very into his shell at first and now he's gradually getting to loosen up a bit um, and, and to be himself. And apparently he's a lovely bloke. Uh, I think he is much better at fullback than he is on the wing. But I have to admit, listen, uh, I, I will bow down and admit that I was wrong. He is bringing so much to this team. He's incredible in attack. He, he is very, very good. Let's not forget, and that I did say a couple of weeks ago, Damien Penault is a freak of nature. And when he will be back, he will bring so much and he's delivering. But then the team. So this is why I don't understand. This is the mentality. Again, another thing we can talk about in France, the mentality of a team. The team that we saw the first five, six weekends of top 14 was not Clermont. That was not the same team. Look at how they're performing now. They look like they are world-class. They could go on and win this competition. Whereas the first five, five weeks, we were like, who are these guys? They've like, never ben, seen do each you other. Know, do you know what they changed? They spend time together. They, 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 they build the team spirit. They did off rugby. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't go to Barcelona, Ibiza, because they weren't allowed to, to travel. But, you know, they, they just they spend time together. They actually worked on them, on culture, on values, on leadership group, uh, stepping up a bit on getting to know each other. They had a few issues also, you know, they had to fit everybody on one boat because of some senior players who were a little bit angry. Uh, people will need to come, come out of their shell and I'm, I'm super happy for them. They tackled a beast. The beast is to actually create a team spirit. You think it's super easy, it's not. It takes a long time and it's very, very complicated. You can lose it quick. Building a strategy and skill is, is, is the icing on the cake, right? But building drive and passion and commitment and brotherhood, that takes time and effort. And that's what they did. Another guy I want to mention that we, we haven't talked about too much, but again, Fritz Lee. That guy's a freak show. Like, so Jerome was really, you talked about Parise a little bit. You've got Parise, Kano, huge back rowers. But Fritz Lee, for me, since the time I've been in France, so 2012, for me, I think he is the best number eight that I played against in the top 14. He is an absolute freak show in so many different ways. The way he carries the ball, defends, crucifies people, competes for the ball. Again, he was top, top class of the weekend. He was freakishly good. Um, and somebody that nobody really talks about. You listen to uh, trust, me, trust me, in Clermont, in Clermont, we thoroughly oh, talked about him. He is unbelievable. He's been, he's been one of the best players, if not the best player of Clermont over the last five, six he years. He can do everything. He's, he's incredible. So in Clermont, there's a, there's a board, big board that they carve the names of best young player, renovation, uh, best spirit and best player. And I think he's got best player three or four times voted by the team vice captain he was captain in 2019 and Jerome was the captain of Toulouse in 2019 final so that's to tell you how important he is he is an incredible bloke and I can guarantee you that we'll have him on the podcast very soon because he's a lovely lovely guy fell in love with France he, he will not say a lot because he's incredibly humble and he'll probably like Jerome chuck it on everybody else but he fell in love with France his, his last daughter is called Margot because he loves red wine like me uh, he's, a, he's a top dude Benji, I want to take a step back. We talked about the away wins there briefly. Do you think that this is a, I was going to say a declic, uh, a change in the way French teams operate and how they approach away games? Because for me, I think that the secret to this year and all the away wins in top 14 and in Europe has been COVID. We haven't really talked about it, but because there's no crowds, there's no atmosphere, there's less intimidation, French teams are now winning away from home in top 14 and in Europe. But do you think now when crowds come back, this is something that's going to carry on? They realize yeah, it's now possible? Because it's been something that's missing. It's been, they've been stigmatized for years. You know, they don't try away from home. They put out a B team. Yeah. They're going to come over here with a bomb squad. It's never going to work. But now actually for the first time in 
decades, we've seen French teams in France and in Europe dominating away from home. So hopefully it can continue. What do you reckon? I know. I couldn't agree with you. I think it will continue uh, post-COVID when the crowds are back. I think it's down to foreign input. So guys like Jerome just stepping in and speaking about mentality and what, what, what it takes basically to win away. It's also down to teams who want to win in Europe, so they have to adapt. To be honest, I played eight years or nine years in Clermont. We never sent a B team. We always went away. So we beat Munster and Munster. We beat Leinster and Leinster. We've beaten teams. And then in top 14, you would replicate and still win away. Racing are starting to do that. Toulouse have, have done that, obviously. Um, and, and so these teams who know how crazy important it is to win away in Europe, replicate that in top 14. But now, because there's so many teams who can compete in top-level Champions Cup, there's obviously so many teams who can do that in top 14. So I've mentioned the three, but there's La Rochelle, there's, you know... Uh, uh, potentially Montpellier, Stade Francais. There's a lot, a lot of teams who can do that. But I agree with you. It, it, it's, it's gone now. It might not be the case for the bottom of the top 14 uh, teams, but but I think that is sunk into the the minds and the heads of of, of, of top 14. You can only uh, express that by showing the new French team. They went to beat uh, Wales in Wales. That is a hell of an achievement. They almost won. They should have won. They could have won, whatever you want to say, England and England with a rotated squad. So it's, it's now within the French gene, definitely. And we mentioned a very good weekend for the top 14 teams last weekend. You mentioned Clermont against Munster just then. We mentioned Clermont winning in Munster with Nick Abendanen last week. The big one this weekend is Clermont-Munster, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be massive. Uh, absolute shame not to have any fans yet. Um, I do, actually, to be honest, I'm not so aware of, maybe you guys can fill me in, of the, the Munster uh, form at the moment. I think they've been a little bit up and down. I know they had some crazy good signings with Dialende and the, 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 the ginormous second row, but he's injured. They've been up and down in recent years, but they've, they've won every game so far this year in the Pro 14. But there is, it, Europe is a big step up for them. And they, yeah, as a coach, the coach admitted it last week. There's also a different level. Like when you're beating Zebra... Treviso, yeah. Glasgow under strength. Like it's different. Obviously, there's difference in the pools, but coming to Clermont, playing in Clermont's a different level. Um, in terms of the depth and the power, like an organization Clermont not have, I think that'll be a stretch too far for this monster squad. Yeah. I want my TV. I want my TV. Oh, COVID, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Before we sign off, we should give our, our special guest the final word, shouldn't we, Benji? Is, is Alaska's there in the background? Do you want to say bye? Alaska's there. She's been she's been good, but now do you, I don't know. Do you want to say goodbye? Goodbye. Yeah. Did you hear that? <laughs> we did. We did. Omota, tu dis au revoir. Lulu, tu dis au revoir. Voilà. The proper accent, the proper accent from Clermont. Awesome. We will let you go and um, have some quality time with Alaska. Thanks very much, Benji. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Jerome. And a massive thanks to our second special guest, Alaska. Thanks to everyone for listening as well. And make sure you hit subscribe, leave us a review if you can. And we'll be back with another episode after Christmas, won't we? Having a bit of a break. And Merry Christmas to everyone. Joyeux Noël. (laughs) Merry Christmas, guys. Have a good one. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.